Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus episode here on Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. And we are going to be talking about the best cube on Arena so far, the newest version of the Tinkerer's Cube, baby. Holy cow, the overhaul of this cube is stellar. Whoever designed it knocked it out of the park. The team who designed this was just really, really tuned in here. And uh, when I fired up my first few drafts on Friday, I was thrilled and folks were like, hey, are you guys going to do an episode on this? And I was like, "Uh, no, uh, wait, we do have our September bonus episode. And rather than saving it for the last episode of the month, why don't we get it out of the way early and talk about this sweet cube? Yeah, I actually tweeted out how much I enjoyed this cube at Wizards Magic because I was having a blast with it. And the person that designed it was Andy Claudis um, at Claudis, C-L-A-W-T-I-S-S, if you want to tell them how much you enjoy the cube. So pretty sweet and awesome job, Andy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we'll we'll do some like big picture stuff, talk about some specifics. And then we have two decks that we've had some great success with that we want to outline specifically. And then if there's time after that, maybe we'll get to uh, some pack one pick ones just to be able to talk about the context of the cards in the cube and, and what we're thinking about when we're looking at pack one pick ones. But maybe to give folks a scope of, of what the cube offerings have been on Arena, if you haven't uh, dove in before, there, there are three cubes at the moment that they've cycled through. So there's the Arena cube which is just sort of your baseline it's sort of the whatever the vintage cube of the arena card pool so just sort of the best of the best uh, in terms of what arena has to offer with magic cards and then they came out with tinkerer's cube which you know if you know the card tinker you might think oh this is an artifact cube but no it's more about you tinkering around with some cards and and so it was sort of professed as being a lower power higher synergy cube and i would say the first version of it wasn't super successful in my mind in terms of being different enough from the arena cube. Would you say that's fair? I think that's super fair. And I think they crushed it this time. Yeah, for sure. And then there was the chromatic cube that came out um, a few months ago in the summer. And we we did an episode on that as well. And that was, you know, a, a fun puzzle to solve and to break. And then I think once it was broken, was a little bit redundant. Um, but yeah, the Tinkerer's Cube so far has felt really, really sweet. Just every pack, I kept seeing like all of these cards. It's very much, I mean, you were saying this on stream, it's very much an Ethan cube. It's like low power high synergy very dirtily lots of cute little synergies <laughs> lots of build arounds it is like definitely the exact kind of cube that i want to draft and i'm so excited to have it well and i don't even know that it's that dirtily i have faced some very good synergistic aggro decks but just the amount of cards where you see and think "Ooh, i wonder what i can do with that is about like every other card in the cube. Yeah, and just like the fact that, you know, there's a card, Pitiless Plunderer, which was so like bad in Rivals of Ixalan. It's four mana for a one four. I mean, if you look at Skullport Merchant and this card, so this is three and a black for a one four. And whenever another creature you control dies, you get a treasure. Um, but that card is actually kind of sweet in this cube because there's like sack synergies and it doesn't care about tokens. So if a token dies, you turn it into a treasure and there's cool stuff to do with treasure. Anyway, there's a lot of sweet stuff to do and we're just going to sort of wax poetic and, and riff on what we've experienced so far. So let's let's get into some big picture stuff. What do you want to talk about first? Well, first thing I think is important to know is the cube is 540 cards. So you're not going to see every card in the cube every draft, but it feels gigantic. It feels so much bigger than that. I don't know if it's just because there's cards that are not in normal limited formats that I don't necessarily know, like that are in the, the commander precons or whatever, or, you know, some of the things that have gotten ported in from Jumpstart. Like I played against the new Davriel that has like Oh, yeah. The conditions or whatever. Yes. And I was like, what is happening? I have no idea what's going on right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, the, that's cool to, to see those in action because I haven't I haven't done any jumpstart myself. It's not not, I think, uh, a product for me specifically, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, it, it feels huge. And I don't quite know why it feels that way. But, you know, usually I feel like I get a few cube drafts under my belt. And, you know, my my own drafts and my decks and then seeing my opponent's deck. And I feel like I've got a sense of, you know, 90% of the card pool at that point. But I still feel like even however many drafts, half a dozen drafts I've done so far that I still keep seeing cards. I'm like, whoa, that's in here. Oh, that's cool. Or even you see a card that you've already seen, but you're drafting a different deck and you're like, oh, I can use that card in this deck too. 
Yeah, so there are like sort of quote unquote defined archetypes, but there's a lot of bleed as well, which is one of the things that I think is so successful about this cube is that you can go hard on like a strategy, right? You can do a lot of column A, column B stuff of like, you know, let's say you're drafting a life gain deck and that's pretty straightforward of things that gain life and things that care about gaining life. But then you can do a lot of like pockets of synergy stuff too, where you've got sacrifice stuff, but also some treasure, but also some life gain, but also some tokens. Like you can have a lot of bleed as well. And I think that's one of the real successful things about this cube. Yeah. So speaking of those archetypes, we should just briefly go over what's been seeded into the cube according to Wizards of the Coast. So uh, blue white, the color pair is flying creatures and blinking. And I think, you know, the flying version from what I've seen is very aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. And then the blinking, obviously, late game value grind, you want to, you know, have creatures with ETB effects, blink them for value. And that's quite plentiful. And I'd say bleeds over into, you know, other colors as well, probably green the most. But, you know, you've got stuff like momentary blink, which is two ways to blink a creature with its initial spell. And then the flashback cost or restoration angel to flash in and blink something or charming prince to come in and have your choice of either, you know, scrying, gaining life or blinking something. Right. There's a lot of stuff like that. I also saw I think it was Eric Klug tweet out that he's been having success with blue white curiosity. So there's a couple of those effects like curious obsession and curiosity. And I think staggering insights in there as well yeah i think staggering insight as well so this was a a deck that i really liked in the uh arena cube especially with luris because it's such a good deck to have just ones and twos and then luris can recur your you know your good creatures or whatever and then you need a bunch of ways to protect your creatures right so if you're slapping on these enchantments that can trip on connecting to your opponent if you're putting those on creatures you know you're inherently setting yourself up to get two for one so you need whatever your fight is ones to protect your creatures or the silent storm tamer to like be able to or dive down whatever how to to protect yourself from interaction but as we'll talk about maybe a little later or we can talk about now there's not a ton of interaction in the cube right and there's not a ton of sweepers like orcus is one of the only ways to wrath in the format and so you you don't need to worry so much about protecting your creatures in that respect Yes, completely agree. Uh, next up, we've got blue black, which is is billed as three different things. So there's discard slash reanimate and quote on hit effects. So, and I was when I saw this, I was expecting to see stuff like you know Yuan T Fang Blade or whatever things that you know the, these things that care about connecting. And Cridal, uh is in the cube from AFR. Um, but the the thing that I've had the most success with, and I did draft a blue black deck in best of one, I didn't do too well, but it was still really fun and that's another good mark of a cube is if you're losing and still having a good time i think that's like a plus design but there is like some linchpin stuff in blue black in terms of things that care about you cycling or discarding and they're actually from Amonkhet, not from Akoria. And so you've got Archfiend of Ifnir, the five mana, five, four flyer. Whenever you cycle or discard, you put a minus one, minus one counter on each of your opponent's creatures. And Drakehaven, which is the three mana enchantment, uh, whenever you cycle or discard a card, you can pay one to make a two, two flying Drake. And the really cool thing about both of those is they say discard. And so you can get some looters in your deck, like a bag of holding or an obsessive stitcher, and those trigger those cards as well. Um, So you can really assemble a good version of these decks. 100%. I've had an opponent go off against me with Drakehaven. <laughs> it was so sweet. And I completely agree with what you said. I have had fun every game I've played, win or lose. And in the drafts too. The draft is so good and the gameplay is so good because it's low power so you know if your opponent is beating you, like they drafted really well and drafted a deck and their deck is doing the sweet thing that they wanted it to do because you just have to do that to win games of magic in this cube. Right. There's something that is not fun for me in arena cube or even vintage cube. Like, and I think this is a known thing about vintage cube. It feels unfun or it feels a little like you're pigeonholed when you open up, let's say, let's say you really want to build around recurring nightmare or whatever. And you open up Soul Ring, like you just have to take Soul Ring. And there are cards in Arena Cube that I think are, are must takes, like Ember Cleave or Great Henge or Sublime Epiphany. And I was looking through this card list, and we'll get to some, like I think, just raw power cards. But even those raw power cards are just more like limited all stars than they are just insane bombs. The power level, the flat power level in this cube, they really, really nailed it. Yes, there used to be cards like Sublime Epiphany in the Tinkerer's Cube that was just like, what is this doing in here, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got a red black treasure and sacrifice. And we're going to do a huge deep dive on that later. So, uh, but basically, you know, standard red black sacrifice, you're trying to make some tokens, you know, have sack outlets, you know, generate that stuff for value. Next up, we've got red green, which is built as large creatures and fighting. So there's a lot of like, you know, four power matters stuff that has existed in limited of the past. Um, so you think about stuff like Sarkhan's Unsealing or is it Garrick's Up? 
Uprising? Is that the the green enchantment? But I haven't actually seen this archetype yet. Have you played with or against this? I have not played with or against this. No, this looks like one of the clunkier archetypes to me just from when I've been drafting. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to like get me to sign up to draft a like quote unquote aggro or beat down deck in this cube. There's like just way too many sweet things to do. <laughs> Next up, we've got green white, which is tokens and enchantments. And it does both of those things very, very well. There's a lot of enchantress effects and a lot of enchantments that you want to play to go along with those enchantress effects. And an enchantress effect, if you're not familiar, is when an enchantment enters the battlefield, you draw a card and gain a life or something to that effect. And it's not like you're putting junky enchantments in your enchantress decks. They're enchantments that you want to play that synergize really well. And then you could also make a boatload of tokens, not only creature tokens, but food tokens, treasure tokens. And then there's ways to double those tokens as well in the cube. Yeah, you've had a lot of success with that in, in a different archetype that we'll do a deep dive on later. Uh, white black is billed as life gain and plus one plus one counters. You can all already sort of see some bleed over from some other archetypes, right? You can do this with white black and maybe with green as well or with black as well or whatever. Um, there's a lot of life gain in these two colors. And I think it makes like not saying you can't draft aggro decks and aggro decks can't be successful, but the amount of incidental life gain or just like pure powered up life gain that exists in the cube. Like I've seen you play some nutty matches on stream where both your life total and your opponent's life total are like well above 20. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Next up, we've got black green, which is death touch and self mill. So there's some cards that'll let you put cards into your graveyard without much work, you know, as part of, you know, you get a card and then put the rest in your graveyard, things like that. And in this color pair, you're ostensibly trying to power up embodiment of agonies, which is the flying death touch creature, which has power and toughness equal the number of different casting costs in your graveyard or something like spider spawning, where you want to put a bunch of creatures in your graveyard and then flash it back and make an army of spider tokens that maybe then bleeds over into the green white, you know, tokens archetype. There's just a lot of overlap and synergy going on. I haven't drafted straight green black yet, but I can definitely see it going off. Yeah, I'm really curious about this death touch archetype too, because it does seem like it exists. You know, they've got cards like Hooded Blightfang, which is sort of like a death touch lord. Whenever a creature you control with death touch attacks, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. And Finn is in from Kaldheim. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The card that like every time you a death touch creature deals damage, they get two poison counters, right? And mm-hmm. so doesn't doesn't take much work for Finn to get that uh, that get your opponent done in that kind of deck, and so I'm excited to to try and get into that in the coming weeks. Next up, we got blue green lands and artifact tokens. I don't quite know the lands thing that's happening here, but the artifact tokens is very real, and this is the other deck that we're going to deep dive on later. Yeah, land schmans. It's artifact tokens, baby. Uh, next up is blue red. What's going on with blue red? Looting and spells. So Mizzix's mastery is in the cube, you know, the thing where you overload it and you can recast your whole graveyard. And there's also double vision, the enchantment that whenever you cast an instant or sorcery for the first time each turn, yours or your opponents, you get a double that. There's also Riel, the Everwise. Um, whenever you discard a card, however many cards you discarded, you get to draw that many cards. So this really is spells matter. You want to churn through your library, put a bunch of spells in your graveyard find your Mizzix's Mastery, and then win when you cast your Mizzix's Mastery. Last up is Red White, which is billed as Equipment and Graveyard Matters. Uh, Ben has seen some good Red White aggro decks, and the Graveyard stuff, I think, is intriguing, but like... Please stop trying to make Quintorius happen. <laughs> Rest in peace, Quintorius. Yeah, for sure. But the, the, what's the what's the white reanimate spell from Modern Horizons 2? Uh, late for dinner? Yeah. Well, the first time I saw that cast from my opponent, I was like, whoa. It reminded me of the Twisted Color Pie cube that they had way back in the day where like it's, it, it is what it sounds like. You know, they made like blue, green and aggro deck and red, white was a control deck and, you know, just sort of flipped your sort of normal cube notions on its head. And I remember red, white having a reanimate like package in there it reminded me of that so I'm, I'm also curious to see if you can can draft something like that in this cube yeah and i faced down some very good red white aggro decks the best aggro decks i faced down are synergy where they're doing wombo combos you know i had an opponent have bruner and the the axe that gives plus three plus oh and trample and then they put that on the what is it fireblade charger the one one that when it dies mm-hmm. you know it deals damage equal to its power so oh. it was like an eight one or whatever with trample And then when it died, it did eight to my face, like just dealing damage in large chunks in kind of cool ways. I think there's ways to do that aggressively in the cube, too. I'm really sad that Cole is not in this cube. You know, one of the cool things in the chromatic cube was they did have a lot of these cool seated color pair things going on. It just didn't matter because you were supposed to do five color nonsense. But there was a really cool looking red, white equipment deck in that cube. And I was hoping to see a little bit more of that here. But, um, you know. 
more tweaks for the future. Yeah, and I think in addition to these seated color pairs, there's just so much overlap between what's going on in the color pairs that you can draft, you know, three color decks or a two color deck that's splashing cards from two other colors that are all going to still add synergy and power to your deck. So I think be creative when you're drafting, as long as you're doing a thing and your cards are working together, there's no real way to go wrong in this cube unless you're just playing individual cards because the individual cards aren't anywhere close to good enough to compete with the synergies that exist. Yeah, I would say I think my first draft, I... I didn't like I ended up in sort of a blue white blink ish deck. But one of my problems and we'll talk about this in just a second was that I not only was trying to do this blink thing, but then I also was trying to take advantage of all the just pure, you know, limited card advantage mechanics that they've seated in here, like learn lesson or MDFCs or whatever. And my my deck was just sort of like a pile of soup a little bit. And I think you really want to avoid that in this cube. Pockets of synergy are okay, but you also want to be aware of like pulling your deck into too many different directions. Yes, I have also gotten myself into trouble once doing that and decided never again. (laughs) I think the thing that appeals to me most about this cube is how many all-star limited mechanics they've highlighted here. And the, the biggest thing that I think is such a cool, you know, design risk for cube is how far they've gone with learn lesson. And to the extent of how far they've gone with seeding learn lesson into the cube, they've put four copies of environmental sciences into it. That is so sweet. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And it just really helps. It also makes playing best of one cube a lot more appealing to me because you still get access to that, like, you know, sweet little toolbox in your sideboard if you want it. What else is going on in this cube? There's cycling, which is mostly blue black, you know, with that Drake Haven, Archfiend of Ifnir thing that we highlighted when we were going through the blue black deck. But just cycling in general is on cards. There's also cool stuff like. Um, Oketra's attendant, three white, white, three, three flyer, cycling two, and then has embalm. Like that cares about discard stuff. It also makes a token when you embalm it. Like that card just does so many different things that so many different decks in the cube care about. So there's just cool things like that going on. There's some a little bit of adventure happening, though there's no Edgewall Innkeeper or Lucky Clover. And honestly, I think that's probably for the best. But I would like to see maybe at some point a cube or Tinkerer's Cube lean a little heavier into uh, adventure and those payoffs. But not the busted ones like Bone Crusher Giant. Some of the things like, yeah, you know, like get get me Reaper of Night or whatever. You know, more commons like Curious Pairs in the cube. It actually has a lot of synergy, right? Because it makes a food, so you have life gain. But then that's also seeded into the tokens matter thing, or it's a one power creature, and that's unblockable with Tetsuko. Like, there's all these little things that these cards do. Right. Curious Pair is a very good card if you put it in the right deck. And if you just put it in a green deck that doesn't care about any of those things, it's horror bad. That's what every card in the cube is like. Right, for sure. Yeah, just wants to find its home. There's also venture going on with a lot of, you know, Primo rares. There's Nadar, Selfless Paladin, very Silver Moon Ranger, Yuan-Ti, Malison. So some of those ways, you know, that creatures want to attack and repeatedly venture. So if you've got ways to push them through, you can definitely complete a dungeon. I think it's more incidental than it is a deck, but just the fact that it's in here is cool. Well, yeah, and the fact that all the cards, I think, that there's no one-offs, right? They're all cards that can repeatably venture on their own, right? Eliwick, the Planeswalker is also in here. And so it's like, this card can be my game plan for completing a dungeon, but I'm not like trying to, I don't think you're trying to draft a dungeon deck, but it's just nice that you have these seated cards of value or hand smoothing or whatever you need, right? Whatever whatever things you want to get from those dungeons. Yep. Investigate is here, right? This is a big part of the blue-green deck is making these clue tokens. You've got Ulvenwald Mysteries, Wave Sift, lots of other cards um just really the the support for the food clue and treasure token stuff um mostly ported in from modern horizons 2 but then or i guess whatever what ported in from modern horizons 2 via jumpstart historic horizons to arena um but i think then they've really bumped that up with the other things that were already on arena that contribute to that plan as well yeah one of my first questions when i did my first draft was is fey offering in this cube and the answer to that is no unfortunately but i honestly think Fey offering might be too busted in the cube, which is why it's not in here. I was also thinking about what the artifact, uh, it's like the academy, it's manufacturer or whatever, the artifact that whenever you create a clue, treasure or food token, you just create all three instead. And oh, I was like, yeah. that would be sweet here. But also, I think that would just be too broken. Yeah. So, the, I mean, that gives you an idea of the synergy that's going on in that investigate deck. Yeah. And the last thing that's here is MDFCs and specifically the MDFCs that are lands on the backside. And all of this gives you like a lot of value and flexibility in terms of your draft for like mitigating flood and screw, which leads to, I think one of the reasons we're enjoying this cube so much is there's like 
barely any non-games. Yes, I would say that's true. Yeah, and I think that's largely due to how many of these all-star limited mechanics are seeded into the cube. Yeah, absolutely. Cube has been a ton of fun so far. Yeah, so I, I think ways we're approaching the cube big picture we talked about, right? Very well designed, high synergy, low power level. If you see a card and think, I wonder if I can do this or is this supported? The answer is yes, right? Like there aren't really stray cards or cards that I'm like, why is this in here, right? They all feel like they have a home. Yeah, and multiple homes in many cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, we we talked about like there's not really generically powerful standouts like Ember Cleaver Great Henge. Um, It's really is a good flat power level. Like you open up a pack one, pick one, and there isn't just that standout like, oh, I have to take Gonti or whatever. Um, You really can, I think, make an argument for a number of cards. And one of the things that we're going to talk about in just a little bit are glue cards, which are cards that would belong in multiple archetypes, you know, where they've got overlap with two archetypes or three archetypes or even four archetypes. And those are some of the best cards in the cube because they're going to give you a lot of flexibility in the draft portion, right? If you have a card that you're happy with in tokens or life gain or, you know, some other archetype, that's great because then you can pivot off into all those archetypes based on what you're seeing or what you're wheeling. I think that's a huge part of this cube as well is like finding an archetype where you know, okay, if I wheel this card, it's going to be great for me. And I know no one else is probably caring about this archetype because that's the only place where this card's going to be good. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, you know, we're either hoping to take those glue cards that are good to be flexible and figure out what our lane is supposed to be or taking great archetype payoffs and trying to go hard after them. And I think that involves you understanding what the archetypes are, not only as like they've been outlined there, but perhaps understanding what the overlaps are um, and thinking about maybe what are the the best ones of those bunches. You know, we're going to talk about two of our favorite, most successful decks in a little bit um, in red, black and blue, green and understanding what are the linchpins for those decks. And then if you see those early trying to go hard after them. And speaking of red, black, treasure is so, so, so good in this cube. It's got synergy in the red, black and the sacrifice stuff. Treasure also cares about happening in the token stuff, but it's also just really good in cube in general, too, for ramp and splashing and fixing. Yeah. So not only does red, black get it, but, you know, we've got prosperous innkeeper or spell swindle, which is just essentially mana drain in the cube. And isn't, has <laughs> God, I love synergies. spell swindle. Spells, what, what did you, I saw you like counter some, I think you countered like mascot exhibition or something. And then just with a junk winder in play, tap down seven of your opponent's creatures was just ridiculous. It felt pretty good. Yeah. We talked about this. Aggro can be good, but there is a ton of life gain floating around. So I don't really think it's the best strategy. Not saying it can't be a winning strategy, um, but I do think it's perhaps a little weaker than in other cubes. And if you're just trying to get a sense of what is the cube about, it's really the opposite end of the spectrum from Adventures in Forgotten Realms other than the red-black deck from Adventures in Forgotten Realms. You really have to draft a deck and not cards. Individual card quality almost doesn't matter. I mean, it matters in the sense that you need the cards that lead you down an archetype or lead you down a synergy path, but individual cards aren't going to win you the game. It's going to be assembling two, three, four, five cards on the battlefield that are all doing this sweet powered up thing. And our last point here is that artifacts and enchantments are very powerful. And so having main deck naturalize effects is pretty darn good. You're going to find targets in almost every deck. Or even through learn lesson, there's the green lesson that blows up an artifact or enchantment. That card is just primo if you have any sort of learn in your deck. Yeah. And there's the red one as well that like deals one damage or blows up an artifact. And I have like had this moment of panic where I'm like, oh no, I can't beat this artifact. And then I go, aha, yes I can. I have like four learn cards and I have this great sideboard card in my uh, learn lesson package. Start from scratch. That one's called, right? Yeah, there you go. Yes. Thank you. No idea what the green one's called. (laughs) Containment breach. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. You got there. All right. All right. We got there. Um, So let's talk about some examples of glue cards. And this is by no means like the definitive list, but just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, a card that has really impressed me. I do think this might be one of the best cards in the cube is Reaper's Talisman. Um, This card is ridiculously good. We'll talk about its death touch synergies and red black sacrifice, but then it's also a repeatable source of life gain. And like, because the cube is pretty flat power level, right? Remember Reaper's Talisman was pretty darn insane insane in AFR. I think it's pretty darn insane in this cube too. That is shocking to me. It was that was not on my wavelength. So it's good to know. Yeah. Next up, this one is near and dear to my heart. Yes. I, I have a problem not being able to pass this card. It's Prosperous Innkeeper. It's so good. It's so good. One in a green for the one one. When it ETBs, you make a treasure. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. It just does so many things at the intersection of life gain, treasure, you know, making creature tokens, you can gain life gain in bunches. 
it's just the perfect synergy card for cube. It's a good card to blink as well. Mm, so many things. Uh, next up is Archon of Sun's Grace. This is three. This is two white white for a three four flying lifelink creature and has constellation whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control. You can make a two two. I think it's a maybe it's a Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has lifelink um, for as long as you've got. Uh, You've got the Archon in play. I mean, this is probably one of the most powerful cards in the cube as well. And it's not only just because it's raw stats and power is good, but it's got synergy with life gain, enchantments, and even blue-white flyers. And enchantments are great. Like, normally when I think of a Constellation green-white deck, I think, like, clunky, bad enchantments, auras, whatever. It's not the case here. No, I mean, there's just yeah, really good enchantments and... I think there's four total like I would count this as an enchantress effect. I mean, usually when you think of enchantress, it's something that draws you a card when an enchantment enters the battlefield. And there are other ones like that, right? SRAM, there's Satessan Champion and the I don't know its name, but the green white one from um, Modern Horizons that is an enchantment itself. Right, All those are in this cube. And so it, it does feel really redundant in that respect. There's also something as simple as Charming Prince, you know, two two ETBs, you know, can gain you some life if you care about life gain triggers. Helps smooth out your draws with scrying. And then also just as a great target to blink, you know, in that enters the battlefield deck or rebuy with things that let you rebuy cards to your hand. There's just a lot of small things going on there. Uh, hard evidence has been really good. I mean, this oh. is just single single blue, make an O3 crab and investigate. So this is good with tokens. This is good with spells. If you care about artifacts, whatever, like this is just and a lot of the things that are going to be a defining feature of these cards is a lot of them are very cheap, right? Most of the cards on this list are one or two mana. Yes, I think that's also true as well. The cheap synergistic cards are some of the best cards in the cube. I have splashed hard evidence as my only blue <laughs> card in a green white deck because I had parallel lives and the other card that doubles. So for a single blue, I made four crabs and four clue tokens, and it was awesome. <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. I haven't gotten I've drafted like a bad version of the blue green deck, but I really want to get a good version. You've had two of them so far on stream, and I'm so jealous. Yeah, super sweet. Next up, we've got Siege Gang Commander, which again, just like a super powerful card intrinsically, right? Two, two brings three goblins along with it, and then you can pay one in a red sack a goblin, deal two damage to any target. But this is at the intersection of tokens sacrifice there is a bit of goblin tribal stuff seated in the cube as well so there's just a lot going on with this card yeah you can have like this plus squee which like is a repeatable way to sacrifice because you can cast it from your graveyard or exile yeah siege gang is pretty darn good gilded goose you're sensing a theme here right more life gain with the the food token it enables splashing it triggers tokens um it's just really really strong and something like Squirrel Sanctuary, which just is the most innocuous looking card, but, you know, makes tokens, repeatable way to make tokens, is an enchantment, is a repeatable way to trigger enchantments entering the battlefield, just does a lot of things really well that Green cares about doing. Which is Cauldron as well as a repeatable sack outlet. So you've got, you know, it's good for the, the sacrifice deck in, in red, black, or maybe your sacrifice deck is black, white somehow. It gives you a repeatable source of life gain. It's good with tokens in terms of getting you card advantage from multiple bodies. If you've got, you know, ways to make tokens or when stuff dies it turns into a token whatever there's like a black enchantment that says whenever something you control dies you make a 2-2 zombie so there's a lot of synergy there with the cauldron last woodland champion pretty unassuming one on a green for a 2-2 whenever a token enters the battlefield under your control gets a plus one plus one counter there are so many ways to make so many different kinds of tokens in this cube it's ridiculous i think this is just good in any deck that wants to make tokens and i think just about any color pair it belongs in Right. Well, there's so many inherent synergies within green and not only that, but then bleed over into all the colors. I think that's true. Green, white, green, red, green, blue and green, black, I think are all interested in this card. That takes us on to just some other bigger picture stuff to be on the lookout for. There's some wombo combos in the cube. Uh, This one has been a staple in some other arena cubes, but Brash Taunter plus Star of Extinction is in this cube. So be aware of that. Uh, Brash Taunter is the indestructible card that whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to your opponent. And you can has an activated ability where you can have a fight a creature. But then Star of Extinction deals 20 damage to uh, all creatures and planeswalkers. So when you Star of Extinction with Brash Taunter on the battlefield, you dome your opponent for 20. There's also a couple wombo combos with Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. This is 3GG for the star, star, legendary creature elemental. It's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. And it also has non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. So you put that in conjunction with 
something like our revelation that destroys all non-land permanents or flood of tears that returns all non-land permanents to their owner's hands, well, that's going to be basically a one-sided upheaval for you or a one-sided wrath for you. Yeah, pretty good. And then, you know, we've talked about this already, but just interaction in the cube, there's not a lot of premium removal floating around. I mean, there is removal. And I think you do want your deck to have two, three pieces of good interaction. And I would think a well-timed piece of interaction can be the difference between winning and losing a game. You know, if you're able to break up your opponent's synergy engine, that's pretty big game for you. And I think I I want between two to three pieces of interaction if I can get it. And the more synergistic my deck is, the less I care about that. But I think it, it is pretty good to have access to being able to interact with your opponent's creatures. Shocking in Magic of the Gathering, I know. But just something like Igneous Inspiration, for example, is super good two in a red, deal three to something, and then you learn lesson also. So you get that card advantage while also killing an opposing threat. Yeah, I, I think especially, you know, the more people dive into these highly synergistic decks, the less interaction they're going to have, the more they're going to be relying on assembling some sort of combo. And the more you can try and disrupt that or interact with that or break it up, whatever, I think you can sort of make their deck crumble a little bit. And so I, I agree with, you know, when I end, end a, a draft, and I have ended drafts with maybe just one piece of interaction or maybe none or, you you know, I have to assemble a couple things to be able to interact. Like <laughs> I've been there. It's hard. You, you, you don't want to be in that spot in this cube, I don't think. And I think the more aggressive you want to be, the more you care about having that interaction. Yeah, because you're just so incentivized. You know, your opponent might be derping around a little bit trying to set stuff up. And the, and the more you can just say, hey, hey, no, pump the brakes. I'm going to gonna get, get through that, get over that, get under it, whatever. Um, I agree the interaction is good there. And then just taking a look at what some of the best cards in the cube are to give you an idea of the power level of the cube. I just tried to look through the spoiler and pick out some cards I thought were were rawly powerful, but none of them are insane. I think Lolth Spider Queen might be one of the better cards in the cube, certainly Planeswalker-wise. Um, that's the new Planeswalker from AFR where you can make some spider tokens with Menace. You can pay zero to draw a card and lose a life. And then, you know, when a creature you control dies, it gets more loyalty. So just difficult to interact with, puts a lot of bodies on the board, that sort of thing. Asuka's Chariot, obviously very, very busted. One of, if not the best rares from Kaldheim, the 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 Cadillac, as it were, the four mana, four, four vehicle, makes two cats and when it attacks you can uh, make a copy of a token, which is pretty busted in this cube. You know, like, sure, you can make another 2-2 cat, but maybe you want another treasure token or food or clue token or whatever, or you've made some, you know, 4-4 beast from your combine chrysalis and you're copying that. Like, there's a lot of synergy there. Right, and both of those cards are busted in and of themselves and have synergies with all that token sacrifice stuff going on as well. Exactly. Ashaya Soul of the Wild. We already talked about wombo combos with it, but it's just a huge monster and also gives you a ton of mana acceleration in a green deck. It's just a very powerful card. Orcus Prince of Undeath, uh, surprise, surprise, one of the best cards from AFR and is really strong here. Not only is just a four mana five three flyer, but then the, the the upside of being able to sweep up the board or return some stuff that has died, it's really flexible and powerful. Poet's Quill has really impressed me as well. That's the uh, learn lesson equipment when ETBs you learn and it gives your creature plus one plus one on lifelink. Life gain has been tough to combat in this cube. I've had some decks that just couldn't do enough damage to fight through the life that had been gained by Poet's Quill. And life gain is a synergy in the format. So giving your creature a repeated source of life gain with Poet's Quill has been very impressive. Uh, Cavalier of Thorns, just like raw power and card advantage. Two triple green for the five, six reach. When ETBs, you look at the top five cards your library, put a land from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your graveyard. So you're getting some black green graveyard synergies there. And then when the dies you can exile it and if you do you put another target card from your graveyard on top of your library yeah so those are some of the most rawly powerful cards but again those aren't busted they're beatable i think in many cases it's just a really low powered cube which is super nice and then we've got some ideas of like what are the linchpin cards for the archetypes that have been outlined so you know we'll talk about blue green in a second but junk winder is certainly one of those this is five blue blue for a five six it has affinity for token so it costs one less t- to cast for each token you control. And it has whenever a token enters the battlefield under your control, you tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls, and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. This may be the best payoff for the the tokens deck, yeah? Yes, for sure, 100%. And I think, you know, I was trying to think about how to characterize the different types of synergy for the cube, and there's a lot of different ways to go off in the cube, right? You know, the blue-white blink deck, for example, is really good at generating value But a lot of that synergy value that you generate is card advantage. And I think the actual best synergies or the best decks are the ones where the synergy that you generate affects the board. You know, like the tokens deck 
putting a lot of bodies on the battlefield or Junkwinder tapping down your opponent's entire team on the battlefield. Like those synergies that are board affecting synergies are much stronger than the card advantage synergies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I agree. I've definitely like had some decks from myself and from my opponents where they're doing a lot of stuff, but it feels a little wheel spinny and it's not quite affecting the board in, in the, you know, blinking your cloud here to draw another card. It's like, oh, wow, that's some value. But like at the end of the day, what are you doing to kill your opponent? Right. Yes. So I think the board affecting synergy is the best and Junkwinder is a great example of that. And then, you know, what would it be an example of not board affecting synergy are some of these enchantress things, right? So something like Citizen Champion that whenever enchantment enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you put a plus one plus one counter on Citizen Champion. That's very good. And you're going to grow a large Citizen Champion, which is important, but it's definitely possible to beat opponents that are drawing like two, three, four obscene amounts of cards if you're doing obscene things on the battlefield. Another thing you want to look out for, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Red Black, are the aristocrats effects the falconrath nobles or blood artist type things that have like you know whenever a creature dies your opponent loses a life you gain a life that those are definitely engine pieces and ways to win games and those are if you see those and you draft them those are the ways to get into that deck i think those are the most important pieces for that deck that and the sacrifice outlets right agree yeah and then we've talked a lot about the blink deck there's ways to repeatedly blink teleportation circles in the cube um, that's from afr the enchantment that lets you blink uh, an artifact or a creature at the beginning of your end step and then soul herder from modern horizons is also there Oof. so soul herder is the one blue white one one spirit and it has whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on soul herder and at the beginning of your end step you may exile another target creature you control return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control yeah soul herder is nuts we talked about drake haven and archfiend of ifnir as being like the two linchpins for the if you want to get into blue black cycling slash discard which of the Moors is here? And again, this is another super powerful card. This is raw power and synergy, right? This is three black black for a four four with death touch. And at the beginning of your end step, if you gained any life this turn at all, each opponent sacrifices a creature and you return up to one creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Just value central. Yeah, that card is nuts. We've got Riel the Everwise as as perhaps the reason to draft blue red. So this is one blue red for an O3. It gets plus one plus O for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. This is also a good splash in the blue black cycle discard deck as well. Yeah, and I, there's also just really good Grixis control decks floating around that I've played mm -hmm. against. You know, if you just take some of those, that is one of the best ways to use individually powerful cards I've seen is in Grixis. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I think Black Red is so good in this cube because not one, it gets access to the best removal. Like it's a removal light cube, but black and red still have removal for you. Um, but also it's just got a lot of the cards that are just great on their own. You know, we're talking about Lolth or Poet's Quill or Orcus, right? Those are, that's half of our raw power list. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's also, we've talked a lot about tokens. There's ways to double your tokens with Anointed Procession and Parallel Lives. So whenever something would make tokens, it makes double that many. And heaven forbid you have both of those on the battlefield, you are going off. Yeah, there's Cathar's Crusade, which I think has never been better. It's it's usually feels like a win more card, but it just feels in this cube like a win card. Three white white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control. It's one of the best reasons to go wide in this cube. Yeah. Sacrifice outlets as well. You know, we mentioned the, the Falconrath Noble blood artist effects, but cards like makeshift munitions or Kells fight fixer that are repeatable sacrifice outlets are super important to making that red black deck tick. Yeah. And the amount of incidental life gain that exists in this cube, not only in, in white and black, um, specifically makes Heliod Sun Crown a really strong build around. I splashed this in a really good red black deck and was thrilled about it. Yeah, and even Cleric Class as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cleric Class is great. So that's going to bring us into our specific deck highlights. I want to talk about Red Black here first. Um, like drafting Red Black in AFR, I do think you can do a real mix of things. But at, at its core, I think the best version of this deck is like an Aristocrats Sacrifice style deck with Sacrifice Outlets, Sacrifice Fodder, and then things that care about creatures dying. But there's also room for life gain or treasure shenanigans and more. Like I talked about, sweepers and removal are kind of light in this cube, which makes this color pair very powerful because it gets the best suite of removal and has Orcus as a pseudo sweeper. And treasures overlap a ton in terms of synergy because treasures 
trigger a number of the sacrifice payoffs. And I want to talk about Reaper's Talisman being wildly good here for granting death touch to some sacrifice payoffs. So the cards that I'm talking about in the little wombo combos you want to be on the lookout for, you've got Mayhem Devil and Havoc Jester. And Mayhem Devil is cares about any player sacrificing a permanent, uh, and then it deals damage to any target. And Havoc Jester is whenever you sacrifice uh, a permanent, it deals damage to any target. And so when you have... So first of all, those with treasure are insane, right? Because treasures <laughs> are tokens that you are sacrificing. And so you get to just use your treasures, not only for your other synergies or whatever, like Kalein is in the cube. So, you know, you're casting something, making it bigger, but then you're also pinging stuff along the way with those two cards. Reaper's Talisman, as like I talked about before, is really strong. But when you have Reaper's Talisman on Mayhem Devil or Havoc Jester and attack with it, and give it death touch. Now, all of a sudden, when you sack your treasures or whatever, the pings from Mayhem Devil and Havoc Jester have death touch. So you're just mowing down your opponent's board. So you can really assemble an insane machine gun with this deck. So here's how cool this cube is. I didn't really know that about Reaper's Talisman. And now that Ethan's talking about it, it makes total sense for why Reaper's Talisman's good. And then I'm also sitting here thinking the 8-8 death touch with cycling from Akoria that puts a death touch counter is also in this cube. So there's another way to do that, right? And just sitting here talking to Ethan, I realized that. And like, it's so cool how much overlap and how much cool stuff there is to do in this cube. Absolutely. So, so the five cards I have here is the payoffs you want to be on the lookout for are Blood Artist and Falcon Wrath Noble. I was like the cards that are like, whenever something dies, opponent loses a life, you gain a life. Mayhem Devil, Havoc Jester, we talked about those as the, the things that care about stuff sacrificing. And Sir Conrad the Grim from Eldraine, uh, just whenever, caring about whenever creatures like go to the graveyard and also has the ability to mill each uh, library for one, for one in a black, that card's fantastic. So those those five cards, when I see those, um, specifically Blood Artist and, and Noble are cards that I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe I'm going to try and get into this deck. Yeah, makes total sense to me. And then the things you want to look out for as enablers are, you know, other ways to sacrifice stuff. So like Kel's Fight Fixer, we talked about. This is a four mana, four, three. You can, whenever something dies, you can pay a blue-black hybrid. And if you do, you draw a card. And you can also pay one to sack a creature uh, to give Kel's Indestructible until end of turn. Rankle Master of Pranks is so good. It just Rankle does a lot in this cube, not only in terms of just, you know, trying to kill your opponent, but like the, the three things are all synergistic, you know, wanting people to lose life or discard a card. And then you can, you know, you discard some sort of recurrable thing. Like I've got on this list, recurrable bodies like gutter bones or sanitarium skeleton. Those are things that, you know, they're not enablers in a sense, but having those repeatable you know, fodder for sacrifice or discard or whatever. Makeshift munitions is gas. That's the enchantment that lets you pay one to sack a treasure, or I think it's just an artifact. Sack an artifact or a creature to deal a damage to something. Um, Mask of Immolation and Blood Aspirant are a little slower, clunkier, but still ways to sacrifice stuff. And Mask of Immolation works with the death touch stuff as well um if you can find a way to give because you know the creature you're sacrificing with that equipment is dealing the damage so if you have a way to grant it death touch you know with a reaper's talisman you can do a little wombo combo stuff there and the, the last two cards i wanted to point out as strong on their own or, or highly synergistic here one is forsworn paladin that's the the single black one one with menace from afr that you can tap to make a treasure for one in a black or you can tap two or or you can just pay two in a black to give a creature plus two plus oh until end of turn and if you use treasure for it it gains death touch another way to grant death touch and do these shenanigans and also wombo combo king himself marionette master which is four black black for a one three with fabricate three which means you can either put three plus and plus one counters on it when it comes into play or make three one ones so there's some really sick stuff with this so first of all you can just like kill your opponent out of nowhere if you have treasures lying around just drop this as a four six and then every treasure you're sacrificing is dealing your opponent four damage that's so disgusting just kill them out of nowhere (laughs) but if you've got clean you can sort of do both like if you use a treasure or two to cast this then you just have it as a two power three power creature on its own plus three one one servos so then those servers servos when they die are still dealing you know two damage three damage to your opponent if you have ways to just sacrifice them for free again you can just kill your opponent out of nowhere marionette master it's like high high synergy like bordering on just raw power but the amount of synergy it has in this deck is wild sounds like you've cast a marionette master off of Kaline before <laughs> Uh, I have, yeah, I, I definitely have. So yeah, this this is my favorite deck in the format. I'm usually I usually have a strong proclivity for red black sacrifice decks and cubes in general, and it's very well supported here. And there's a lot like of other layers going on as well. Yeah, 
that takes us over to blue green tokens which i have played it was my first draft and i have also drafted it several times since because i had so much fun playing it it's really really fun um, and you can just pump out a lot of tokens and do a lot of sweet things so as far as payoffs we've talked about junk winder that is the most important thing for the deck and then past that you really want the tokens doublers so you want parallel lives that's the green enchantment that doubles your tokens and then anointed procession as well on the splash there's a lot of overlap in bant with tokens so i think it can be base blue green it can be base white green um, i really prefer the blue green version because you get junk winder and i think that's one of the best you know ways to just slam the door shut once you start making tokens um, so those are sweet and then past that there's just a lot of things that are are good with tokens so something like combine chrysalis you wouldn't necessarily have to have this for the deck but it gives all your tokens flying and then you can pay two blue green to sack a token to make a four four beast that's then going to have flying because it's a token um, we talked about how sweet woodland champion is that's the two two that grows when you make tokens and this deck can poop out a lot of tokens um, something like Ulvenwald Mysteries is also just great glue here. It's an enchantment build around two and a green. Um, whenever a creature you control dies, non-token creature that is, uh, you make a clue token. And then whenever you sacrifice a clue token, you make a 1-1 soldier token. So double dishing on the tokens there with Ulvenwald Mysteries. One of the coolest things I think about Mysteries plus Combine Chrysalis is that you know, Mysteries doesn't care about you sacrificing the clue to draw a card. It just cares about you sacrificing it. And Chrysalis is like, hey, let's blow up this clue token, make a 4-4. And then Mysteries is like, all right, and we'll make a 1-1 along with it. And both of those have flying because of the Chrysalis. Absolutely, 100%. And then, you know, more splashing here. You see the overlap with white. There's Battle for Bredegard, which is the saga that makes a soldier token and an elf token. And then on the third chapter doubles all of your types of tokens and then if you have an anointed procession or a parallel lives out oh my you get double double that so you can do some disgusting things and then another secretly good card i think this just might be another one of the best cards in the cube is nettle cyst Ooh, yeah i guess because there's just so many tokens floating around in terms of artifacts like it's not hard for this to make just giant creatures yeah, so this is three mana for the equipment. It's got an equip cost of two and it has living weapon. So when it ETBs, it makes a germ token and auto equips to that and gets plus one, plus one for each artifact or enchantment you control. It's just really easy to make a disgustingly large threat with Nettle Cyst in this tokens deck. Yeah. Also probably great in red black with a treasure. Right, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I, don't know, I want this in my red black deck right now. Yeah, so that one's a really good payoff as well. Um, and then there's just a bunch of way to make tokens. I have a list of enablers here that is a mile long. <laughs> but, you know, something like Spell Swindle, three blue blue counter target spell, make treasure tokens equal to the converted mana cost of the spell you countered. That can then, you know, make whatever, you know, let's say four or five treasure tokens. But if you have one of those doubling enchantments down, <laughs> you're making eight, ten treasure tokens. And then there's also ways to rebuy cards. I've actually had my opponent's counter spell locked through cards like Timeless Witness. You know, after you cast Spell Swindle, you have enough treasure then to Timeless Witness and still hold up Spell Swindle. And then also ways to blink Timeless Witness to keep rebuying Spell Swindle, which is just super disgusting. I'm drooling right now. So I am. <laughs> <laughs> or something as simple as, you know, we've talked about Prosperous Innkeeper is awesome. Or something like Spider Spawning, you know, where you can splash the, the flashback cost and make, you know, four spider tokens or eight spider tokens. It just clogs up the board so well. Basically, you want those token payoffs and literally any card that makes tokens. Something that's like really unassuming that's great in this deck is Floodhound. Uh, the, the blue one, two, oh. and you can pay three tap to investigate. That's not a good magic card, right? But when you can make a token on demand repeatedly, it's so good with all your things that care about tokens. There's so much support for this deck. This list that you have of enablers is wild. It's it's huge. Or something like Gilded Goose is just a great card. Or even something as innocuous as, you know, Whirler Rogue, the two blue, blue, two, two. That's a limited all-star, right? It's in most mm -hmm. cubes where it brings two Thopter tokens along with it. But then, you know, maybe it's bringing four Thopter tokens along along with it or maybe it's giving your woodland champion two plus one plus one counters when it etbs there's just a lot of really 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 powerful things going on you know there's there's niche versions of the deck as well i think where drake haven is making drake tokens maybe you've got a cycling package that's going along with that or if your spells heavy there's murmuring mystic that's the three and a blue one five whenever you cast an instant or sorcery you get a one one flying token 
There's just a lot of sweet things to do. I want to draft it. Give it to me. Yeah. Another, I I'm so excited about this deck, but another super busted card is Tireless Provisioner from Modern Horizons. Yeah. This deck really got a lot of help from the, the jumpstart cards being ported in, but Tireless Provisioner is two and a green for three, two. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, you make a food or a treasure token. That's just absolutely absurd in this deck. It's a good magic card and it's synergistic. Mm -hmm. And then I think one of the coolest things about this blue green deck, outside of just assembling A plus B, you know, something that cares about you making tokens and a thing to make tokens is there's just a lot of overlaps with the other cards and colors specifically white but the blink deck has a lot of overlap because a lot of these things that make tokens make them on entering the battlefield so that's pretty sweet there's a lot of life gain going on overlapping you know with food tokens gaining you three life or something like prosperous innkeeper gaining you life when a creature enters the battlefield rebuying things from the graveyard like timeless witness and then blinking or reusing your timeless witness is super cool and all of the bounce cards that are seated in there for blue white as well you know you can bounce your creature in response to removal and then all of a sudden you get those tokens again when you recast it there's just so many sweet things going on synergistically here yeah well let's uh let's take a look at maybe just a pack one pick one to try and contextualize some cards that we haven't touched on and see see how we're approaching a pack one pick one in, in this style of cube Oof, this is a good one here. All right, I'm looking at this pack one, pick one. Okay, so uh, we'll lead off here with Pop Quiz, which is two and a blue for an instant, draw a card, and learn. What has been your approach with learn lesson in the cube so far? My approach has been, if it happens, great, I'm going to do it, but I have not been trying to get learn lesson packages going mascot exhibition is the one thing that has made me go "Ooh, this wants to be my game plan if i see that card early i'm excited to take it because i feel like i can get you know a good handful of learn cards pretty easily and that's a powerful thing to do yeah that absolutely makes sense i have not seen mascot exhibition yet we have floodhound next we talked about that one mana one two that investigates on demand i don't think you're hoping to pack one pick one that woodland champion is in this pack which i think Bears talking about the one in a green 2-2 whenever one or more tokens enter the battlefield under your control. Put that many plus and plus one counters on Woodland Champion. Yeah, I think that's definitely in consideration. There's also Witch's Cauldron, black for the artifact. One in a black tap, sack a creature, you gain one life and draw a card. Yeah, I like that. I, I hope for my sack outlets, I think you, you ideally want them to cost no mana and be repeatable. And so Witch's Cauldron fails both of those, but it's still good. Well, something like Woe Strider isn't in the cube, though. I don't think yeah. there are free repeatable sacrifice outlets. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. I'm just thinking about all my, uh, you know, just sacking a bunch of treasures and mowing down my opponent's creatures or whatever with my <laughs> <laughs> my mayhem devils. Uh, a card that I've been, that I really like, Sir Conrad the Grim, three black, black, five, four. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent, and you can pay one in a black to have each player mill one. There's Reconstruct History, two red-white for the sorcery, return up to one artifact, enchantment, instant, sorcery, and or planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand, and then you exile a Reconstruct History. I would like to make a good Reconstruct History deck before the cube is out. Uh, next up, we've got Lightning Axe, single red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, you discard a card or pay five, and you can have Lightning Axe deal five damage to target creature. Have you done uh, I think there's just the one madness card forgetting its name but it's like one red red deal three but it has a madness cost of single red fiery temper yeah fiery temper have you had the privilege of uh madnessing that yet I have not but lightning axe I think is very synergistic in the cube and is a good removal spell yeah for sure there's also garrick's uprising here that's tuna green for the enchantment when etbs if you control a creature power four or greater you draw a card creatures you control have trample and whenever a creature power four enters the battlefield under your control you draw a card so again that's there for that red green you know big monsters type deck got cleric class as a nice uh white life gain payoff that's the class enchantment for single white if you would gain a life you gain that much life plus one level two three and a white whenever you gain life put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control so you see even more overlap with not only life gain, but with the plus and plus one counter stuff. And then four and a white, when this class becomes level three, you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its toughness. There's duels in the cube. We haven't talked about that much. There's Temple of Malice, ETBs tapped. Um, when it enters the battlefield, scry one. But just to, a quick zoom out on duels. There's the Thriving Lands, which are busted and should be pretty high picks in the cube, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also just an assortment of dual lands. There's plenty of mana fixing to do whatever you want, as well as uh, the whole you know suite of Evolving Wilds type lands. 
Yeah. Where are you at on taking lands? Because I feel like in these high synergy cubes, I'd rather find my lane first rather than like take lands early. And, and like, I don't feel like there's a really a five color good stuff deck that I'm trying to draft just because that's not super synergistic. Yes, I agree. They've removed Golos, Field of the Dead, all that stuff, which used to be in the Tinkerer's Cube as well. So that stuff's not there. My approach has been I want the archetype linchpins, then I want the high synergy cards that are, you know, really flexible glue type cards. And then I'm trying to take lands to open up potential splashes down the road. Mm -hmm. There's also creature lands in the cube, which I have liked quite a bit. So we've got Cave of the Frost Dragon here. This is the land. Uh, Taps for white mana. If you control two or more other lands when it enters the battlefield, it comes into play tapped. And you can pay four and a white to turn it into a three, four white dragon creature with flying until end of turn. We've got Thrix in the pack. Thrix the Sudden Storm. Three blue blue for a four or five flash flyer. Spells you cast with converted mana cost five or greater. Cost one less to cast and can't be countered. Not a lot of counter magic in the cube as well, which may be a reason I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of counter magic. No wilderness reclamation shenanigans. So Thrix is considerably powered down here. This is an interesting card because this is usually a good first pick, but it's not really on my radar in this cube. Solemn Simulacrum, four mana for a 2-2 and ETBs. Uh, you can search a library for a basic land card, put it into play tapped, and when it dies, you can draw a card. Yeah, I agree. I also don't love it in this cube, which is weird because it looks like, you know, you really want this for the blink deck and you would play this and want it in the blink deck. But that sort of synergy where you're blinking a solemn simulacrum, that's not affecting the board. And I think it's too small ball compared to the synergies that are affecting the board. Yeah, I agree. And what's the last card here? We got Riddle Master Sphinx. This is four blue blue for a five five with flying. And when it ETBs, you can return to your creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So fine card, like nothing to write home about i feel like this pick boils down to two cards for me two cards oh man i see like five cards i'd be happy taking okay so what, what, what are you happy about i think there's a lot of reasonable first picks here i think woodland champion fine if you want to go down the tokens route i think that's super reasonable i think witch's cauldron is defensible if you want to push into red black as a repeatable sacrifice outlet i think taking conrad is reasonable same thing if you want to go to a black deck graveyard deck sacrifice deck all of those things are important and i think of those two cards i'd rather take sir conrad and potentially try to wheel the witch's cauldron because i think that's something that could theoretically happen also and then i think cleric class is another really reasonable first pick as well if you want to go into some sort of life gain style deck and and even if you really wanted to go into red green you could take eric's uprising like that's not on my radar but i could see that being a reasonable pick no, i think cleric class is fine i'll throw th those three in there as well yeah i think you know, I took Sir Conrad out of this pack, but looking at it now, just because I'm so jazzed about the the green deck, I kind of think I might take Woodland Champion here. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm on Cleric Class Conrad or Woodland Champion. I would take Woodland Champion just because I'm obsessed with that deck. Well, and <laughs> I think it's pretty reasonable to think that you can wheel Floodhound out yes, of this pack. Yes, for sure. And that that is a big thing to think about. In It's much less so something that you want to think about in a regular draft environment, but still something you want to be aware of. But in cube, it's really important to like sort of like if you take Woodland Champion here and then Floodhound doesn't wheel, I think you can expect to have some competition for that kind of deck. And so then that may, might encourage you to shift more into a green white tokens deck if you're you know if you found yourself in green with the champion um you know similarly if you're taking conrad and trying to wheel witch's cauldron and then cauldron doesn't wheel you know maybe you then go into a black green graveyard deck or whatever you know those are some things you want to think about when you're drafting Yes, I think paying attention to the wheel in this cube is super important because there's so many cards that like there's layers of cards, right? There's the archetype linchpins and then there's the glue cards, which go in a lot of different places. But then there's also cards that only one type of deck should really want. And you should be able to reliably wheel those. And if you don't wheel those cards like Floodhound only wants to go in this blue tokens deck, really. And so if that doesn't wheel, you know, somebody else is either trying to draft that or you know, just randomly took a Floodhound or whatever, which probably shouldn't happen if there are like five or six cards that are supposed to be coming back to you. Right, for sure. So yeah, there you have it. That's a pack one, pick one. I am going to be drafting this cube as much as I possibly can while it is out. It has been a huge breath of fresh air from AFR for me. Yeah, and even, you know, I was playing, I haven't played AFR in a while. I was playing some Legacy Cube. I was finding Legacy Cube fairly miserable on Magic Online. <laughs> and then when I got this on Friday, I was just like, oh, this, this is fun. Like Legacy Cube, I feel like is needs a huge overhaul. I don't really get what's going on with that cube design right now on Magic Online. But this cube just is a slam dunk. I can't wait to play more of it. Well, and it's new. That's part of it too, right? It's new and I think it's a new 
power level almost. We've not had, it's more like a peasant cube, except yeah. it feels way more synergistic than a peasant cube has to me because I've played some peasant cubes and those just feel like two for one, the cube. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case here. This is this is synergy, the cube, and like limited power levels of synergy. It's, it's limited build arounds on steroids, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and with all those like great limited mechanics seated in like the MDFCs or learn lesson or whatever, it really just feels like a, a playground for any great limited player. Like I would highly recommend, I think, you know, some folks don't like cube or whatever. I think if you like limited, I think you should give this cube a try. I think it's going to be really fun for you. And learning how to draft it will make you better at drafting decks. I would think this cube is a great place to learn how to draft decks because if you're not drafting a deck, you're just not going to win games of magic against the people that are drafting decks. I just wrote an article a couple weeks ago for CFP Pro about like the six things that cube has taught me that made me better at regular limited formats. I just think cube is the best teaching tool for getting you better at limited. Yeah, I would buy it. You know, I I was going through the same thing you were. I sort of hadn't drafted much this past week because I just didn't feel like playing AFR. And I was wondering, like, am I getting burnt out on magic? And I played this cube and I was like, oh, no, I'm not burnt out on magic (laughs) at all. AFR is just not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Am I am I wrong? No, it's the children who are wrong or whatever that, (laughs) that meme is. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro to read those aforementioned articles, uh, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming this cube for sure this week. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you, I mean, in like a day for another episode of Lords of Limited. (laughs) Going to be jam-packed this week. See you all later.